Nation, there's so many reasons out there to start taking notes on the Rocketbook. I'll list a few. One, it's a reusable notebook. When you've finished with your notes and you've scanned them into their app, you can simply just moisten the page and then wipe off with a microfiber and you can reuse that page over and over again. The best feature about the Rocketbook is you can search your notes. You will never lose a note again, which means you don't have to go back and do the valuable work you've already done because you can't find it. It is absolutely one of my favorite tools. Go to our affiliate link, scalinguph2o.com forward slash Rocketbook to take 15% off your first order of $20 or more and never lose a note again. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And Nation, I'm going to rant at you just for a moment. I was speaking with an individual that was probably in their early 30s, and they were not taking care of themselves first. What do I mean by that? They were not taking advantage of their company's 401k. Most likely, you have some sort of pre-tax saving device that your company is allowing you to put part of your income into pre-tax dollars, which means that you're putting your full wage in without having to tax it. So you're actually able to put more money in, lowering your tax burden. And your company is giving you an incentive, most likely, where they can match the proceeds up to a certain amount that you are putting in. That just sounds amazing in all realms, doesn't it? Well, you don't get taxed on the money. It's growing tax-free. You know, you probably have to pay some tax when it comes out. By the way, that's the three-legged tax stool. So there's three legs of tax, whether you, when you make it, when it grows, when you take it out, and you can normally find a way to uh, get rid of one or two of those taxes, but there's a third one that they're going to get you with. Well, with a 401k, you get some tax benefit like we just mentioned, and you also get some free money from your company. Yes, I said free money. That's exactly what it is. So most likely you can put a certain percentage of your income in that your company will match dollar for dollar. Well, this individual that I was speaking to did not think that they wanted, and the word they used was lock up their money so they couldn't get to it. They wanted their money available when they wanted their money. So we had a conversation around this. One, if your income is already spent before you made it, you've got some things that you need to work out because obviously we're spending more than we're bringing in and that is never a good situation to put you and your family in. Folks, that is just stressful. Please don't buy anything that you cannot afford to pay for right now. And if you absolutely positively must buy something that you've got to go into debt for, Think about it. Don't buy it right away. Think about it for at least a day, if not a week or a month, 
and think about, is that debt really worth it? Do I need it that bad? If the answer is yes, after a week or a month, then it's probably something that you do need, but please do not go to debt on something on impulse. And the individual that I'm speaking of, that's pretty much what they did. They saw something, they went out and bought it, and they were living well beyond their means, and they did not want to take any money that they could have in their pocket and put it towards their future in the 401k. We then got into a conversation that they were leaving their compensation on the table because they were not taking advantage of that company match. They were leaving their compensation on the table. They were not taking everything that their company was trying to give them. Your employer is trying to help you save for your future. They do that by offering a vehicle like a 401k, and then they're able to help you fund it by offering some sort of a company match. If you work for a company that has an investment vehicle like that, please, please, please make sure that you take advantage of it. You're doing yourself a favor. And if you do not have a company program like that, find one of the many financial planners out there and tell them that you want to start saving for your retirement. I hope that Social Security or whatever's out there is continuing to be out there. But folks, we've got to take care of ourselves. We need to make sure we pay ourselves first. And that's the mentality that I hope that you have. Instead of paying something that you don't need, that you've now gone into debt for, don't make that decision. If you don't really need it, don't go into debt for it. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself just like you would a bill and make sure that you are providing for your future. Once you've done that, then pay your bills. And if you have anything left over, that's when you can make some of those extra purchases. So many people do the exact opposite and then they start spending beyond their means. And folks, that's just not fun. That is stressful. Marriages get broken up because of that. And I think you can save a lot of stress in you and your family's lives if you just think about that in the order that I mentioned it. Pay yourself first, then pay your bills, and then anything left over, that's, that's your extra spending. And above all else, if you have a program that you can take advantage of, that somebody is going to give you some sort of tax benefit on and give you free money, I think you would be foolish not to take advantage of it. So your homework, if you're not taking advantage of a program like that, find out if there is one available and what you have to do to get started. And folks, if you have an issue with debt, I don't want you to be embarrassed. There's so many people out there that do have issues with that. It is so easy to get credit. It is so easy to buy stuff. And I think there's a lot of people that fall prey to that. Don't feel shame of that, but get out of that debt snowball. And I use snowball because one of my heroes talking about debt is Dave Ramsey. And we're going to go ahead and put a link on our show notes page directly to Dave Ramsey's website. 
And he does a program called Financial Freedom. And if you are unfamiliar with that, it is one of the most simplistic programs out there. And it is a very easy way for you to start using that debt snowball to your advantage, to start paying off some of those debts and then making sure that you can get yourself out of debt. And I have to tell you, because I've been there, when you start getting rid of debt and you know where all your income is going and you are in total control of that, it is just a different type of living, and it is so much less stressful than worrying about how am I going to make that next payment. Nation, all that will be on our show notes page. Uh, Again, if you have a problem with that, don't be ashamed of that. Do something about it and uh, make sure you're talking with your employer about those 401ks. Nation, several years ago, I met an individual. His name is Bruce Ketrick Sr., and just an amazing individual. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Bruce has just been one of my mentors throughout my water treatment journey. There was absolutely no reason for Bruce to help me as much as he did, but I asked him and he said yes, and Bruce has taught me so much. He has helped me when I started building out my facility and I wanted to know what he wished he did when he built his facility. And I got all these ideas so I could start building out my facility in a way like I've already done it before. And I learned from his mistakes and his triumphs. So we had a lot of things that we wouldn't have done had I not spoken with Bruce before we built out this facility. Same thing with blending. Bruce has been a tremendous mentor with me on how to put water treatment products together. My father taught me my core knowledge of water treatment, but my dad never blended. He never owned his own company. He worked for somebody and we just simply placed orders and those products came directly from the factory to our customers And he wasn't able to tell me anything about that. So a lot of trial and error on my part and a lot of speaking with Bruce. And I know several of you out there have asked me questions at AWT seminars about blending or some people I even work as their technical director and they have issues trying to build a product for a customer and all the components will not go in, and there's a right order and a wrong order, and some things require high pH, some things require low pH, and a lot of these things I have learned because I messed them up, but also a lot of them I've learned because I've got people that I can ask questions to. So I thought many of you probably have questions, whether you blend or not, how do you actually get all of the secret sauce that arrives in that 55-gallon drum that you ordered for your customer. So here is Bruce and I talking about blending. I'm here today with Bruce Ketrick Sr. of Guardian CSC, and we're gonna be talking about blending. Blending is this mystic voodoo out there. How did our juice actually become to be the juice that we are using at our customer's account? So Bruce, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. 
You did so well, we had you back. So you're going to be a regular segment in the show. No, I'm just teasing. You, you okay. looked like you were getting scared there. Don't, don't worry. I was getting scared, but that's all right. Bruce, I know I came to you years ago, and you helped me when I first started formulating. My father was a brilliant water treater, but he did not do anything in formulating. And you were one of the first people that got me started in that. You told me a couple of key things, some things to look for. And I think the biggest piece of advice you gave me was it was as much as an art as it was a science. So... I'll start off with that. Let's say we just started a, a company and we need a product line. Where does somebody start with that? Well, unfortunately, if you're in that situation, you have to go to a toller and hope they have a generic product line for you to start with. After you've had some experience and understand what products work in your area, because it changes by water, obviously, you need to take a look at the basics of how to blend. Obviously, you just need a tank for the mixer. You need quality water to be your batch, whether it, you have good water, you just need to soften it, or whether you need to de the water, make sure you've got high-quality water. And then from there, you really want to look at the system. What are you trying to do in the system? Is it scale control? Is it corrosion? Is it both? Is it which? How does the water cycle up? And then take a look at the different raw materials and say, I can use a molybdate here. I can't use a molybdate there. I I need high dispersity as a PVDC with a stable product for discharge, or I can have a little orthophosphate for corrosion control with HEDP, or I, I'm not using an oxidizer and I use ATMP. You have to look at pretty much reverse engineering. You kind of say, to get what I want, I want so many parts per million of this raw material, this dispersant. I have iron, so I want to go with an AMPS or an SA, you know, a, a sulfone group. I have to have an azole of some sort, so... If it's low pH, I'll use BZT. If it's high pH, use tolytriazole. I can use a copper bullet up to about neutral. It works really well, which is a blend of them. And you figure out the PPM of each one you need and then back it into the formula. And then once you back it into the formula, you just say, okay, how do I make that go together? That's where the art form comes in. An example, I have a, a product which I'm using, say, PVTC uh, as my phosphonate. I've got a turf polymer, so it's a real strong AA AMPS SA. So I've got good cleaning. It's going through a cooling water. I've got azole in it, but I want a little more phosphate. Well, because I've got so many different materials with sodium, I have to go look at a potassium. Well, the potassium uses TKPP, tetrapotassium pyrophosphate. You don't just blend that in. TKPP solubility is 3.16% at cold water. It's 40%. At 190 degrees. So the art form there is you take that, you make a 20% solution with hot water, subtract that water from your basic water blend, and then you add it in. Once it's solubilized, it'll stay soluble. But if you try to blend it in cold, you may get it in suspension, it's just going to fall out in 24 hours. You have to look at if I'm using liquids or powders. If I'm using powders, I have to realize there's anti-caking agents in most powders, especially nitrites, caustics, things like that, because they absorb moisture. And if they do, to prevent them from becoming a brick, they put an anti-caking agent in. It could be a calcium, it could be a silica, it could be something like that. Those will flock out once you blend your product, because silicas will absorb and become six to ten times their volume. Well, if you filter that out, it's not a measurable amount. But you can see it in the blend. 
So if you're making something like that, the art form there becomes, you make your blend, it looks perfect. You set it over to the side and let it settle for 48 hours. And then you just run it through a basic filter to take that out so you have a nice pure product. Real, realistically, if you didn't mind the appearance, it has no effect on the product. Well, no effect on the pump, it won't bind it. So what are you looking to do? And that's why we create different products for, for different applications. What's the metallurgy? What Do I have aluminum in the system? Do I have a multi-metal system? Do I have a system that's all iron? You can be in a dairy and your evaporator cooler is galvanized zinc coil and iron. Well, you might want a little azole, but you don't really don't need any. So uh, a lot of that goes into how you blend. Bruce, is there any reference material that you recommend for people to look up what different raw materials do, what the solubility of the raw materials are? I'll tell you that has the formulation by Bob Cavano, which is very outdated and very old, still the basics of the basics. You may have to be able to cross-reference which Mayo Spurs he's talking about is really this product now. But it, it tells you what their solubilities are, what they are, how you put it together is up to you. There, there's no one place where you go to learn how to formulate. You have to look at a number of different places. And again, I was fortunate that when I started, uh, I had a technical service director and a technical director that did not agree with each other. And I worked for the technical service director, so he would send me to the lab with instructions on how to make something or to figure out something that had never been done before so that he could stick it to Nick and come up with a product that worked. And we came up with uh, the first time a molybdate-based product was used by Vets was in 88. Uh, I created a molybdate-based product for corrosion control for NASA in 1974, 14 years before molybdate chemistry became popular. And that was because Zarkowski was, Stan Zarkowski, who I work for, uh, said, we can make this work. And Nick said no. And so he said, you go to the lab, you figure it out, build a, a cooling water loop, and prove it. And we did. And it had one thirteenth the corrosion rate of all the other products that were on the market at the time. So I don't know how to start someone else. I know how I got started. And I know I've got two people here that I'm trying to teach to formulate. And uh, you have to let them try and fail to learn what happens. I have a young young man in the lab that is trying to reformulate a product the last couple of days, and he came up with some recommendations that were so outside the box, it was fabulous. And I that's what I want. And he tried a couple, they didn't work, which I knew wouldn't, but you have to let him do that. And then when it didn't, you sit down and discuss it. And uh, I will probably say he will know what I knew in my 50s and his 20s. So... God bless him. I remember early on, I asked you a question about putting some things together. And I know you knew the answer, but you said, I don't know, try it. And I went in the lab and I tried it and it didn't go together. And you encouraged me to, well, maybe it didn't go together in the order that you put it in. Mm -hmm. And uh, wasn't the best blend I had ever come up with, but it did teach me that order of addition is everything. And if you would have told me that, and of course you knew what you were doing, if you would have told me that, I wouldn't have realized it. But experiencing it for myself, I, I now know really what that is. Not that I wanted you to suffer, but that's how you learn. 
I do the same thing with my people here. I make them try different orders of addition. I know which one is probably going to be the best because I've failed so many times that I realize that's not going to work. But if you just tell somebody something, that doesn't necessarily allow them to learn. They need to learn. And then the next time you see a formulation, they'll go, wait a minute. That order of addition doesn't make sense because this likes to go in an acid state, and I've just put the caustic in, and now I'm in an alkaline state. That's not going to go in. Or this has to be an alkaline state, so it has to be last. You know, those, those are very important when you look at solubilities. And then later when you grow up, I'll teach you how to cheat and use alcohol extensions. But coupling agents are a lot of fun. Bruce, there are people listening that are probably never going to blend their own products, but they might have some questions in the field if maybe something happened with quality control. How could somebody do a serial dilution and what should they be looking for to make sure they've got the right product? Well, every product has an SDS which says what's basically in it. Uh, your label has anything on it that you have to list, which is still basically the main ingredients. And you should have information to say what the feed rate is. This should be fed 100 ppm or 1,000 or 2,000 or whatever. You can easily take the DI water you have in your kit, that little squeeze bottle. You can take a syringe, and you can make an aliquot, just a simple dilution. Once you've made that dilution, you can take your DI 900, and you can run the different metals or the different phosphonates or the different azoles. Uh, azoles are a little tougher because you have to do UV digestion on it. But you can run some of those things and see, is, is this what it should be? You know, why, why is this number a third of what the number should be? What's going on? A lot of times the problem you have is the product came in and it was dark brown and now it's lighter brown. And you go, oh, there's a quality problem. That's not a quality problem. Your different raw materials will vary in certain level of darkness, if you want to say. And it'll change that color. What you really want to look at is the actives. What are those actives that work, and are they where they should be? But that's part of what we kind of talk about in technical training, too, is we say, this is what these raw materials do. So if you're having a problem, and you notice that you know what you're working with, and that problem relates to what this should be, then that's the thing you should be looking at in the product, say, is there a problem with this? Because I should not be having this problem if I have this level of whatever the raw material is. What's the bare minimum that people need to know about their products? And what I mean by this is there's so many people out there that know they use their X410 product. They know it goes into a cooling tower and they know that if they run a test, it needs to be between this parameter and that parameter, but that's all they know. Right. And most people, that's the way they operate. I don't operate that way. We have a product application guide for our products. And it starts with, of course, the numbering system for the product, the identifier. The next one shows what raw materials are in it, not the percentages, but it contains gluconic acid, PBDC, polytriazole, AAMs, PAA, whatever it may be. The next one will, will say the feed rate, which is both the general feed rate and what we call a target feed rate, which is somewhere in the middle where you really want to be, not overfeed or underfeed. There's then, is it kosher? Is it G6? Is it, you know, that listing, so they have that. And then a comment section that says where this should be applied, how it should be applied, what to look for, and how to control it. It's controlled by 
fluorescein, PTSA, molybdate, organophosphonate, OP, whatever test is required. And I feel that even though I'm giving a lot of information to my people in the field, it allows them to select a product better and allows them to look at the application. And when the system changes, which they do, to say, whoa, whoa, that's not going to work because I know I've been trained on raw materials and this one's not going to work here. So I got to change products now. I'm sure there's some owners listening to that and they're thinking, I don't want to give all that information. Why do you choose to give that information? What's the risk versus reward? I think everyone's opinion on what they want to do is their opinion and they deserve that. That's fine. And if they don't want to do it, I respect that. I don't have a problem with that. I do it with my people because I teach my people to a level to understand what the raw materials do, what the actions are in the system. And how can I teach them what the actions are if I don't tell them what's in the product to do it? Again, they don't know percentages. They don't know how to make it. They don't know where the raw material was purchased from. They just know the generic. Uh, the downside is obviously if they leave and go someplace else, they'll have information that uh, could be critical to compete with us. And we have had people leave. To date, we've had very little loss based on that. And when it gets to the point that that becomes a, a critical negative, we might reconsider, but so far it is not. There was a cartoon that I remember seeing. I don't remember the artist, but it was two managers talking. And one said, well, what if we train people and they leave? And the other guy said, well, what if we don't and they stay? That's exactly how I look at it. I've had people leave. I don't have a lot of them do it, but it happens. I've had people go to competitors and, and you know, they'll pick an account up here and there and that happens. But in general, it has been anything that was real damaging to us. But my real fear is if I don't put the best trained, the best quality people out there in the industry, what's that going to cost? Bruce, as we both alluded to, learning means you're making mistakes. Any fun mistakes you want to share with the audience? I don't know if you want to call this fun, but... Uh, in one of our applications, we use an 18% sulfuric acid. And uh, one of my blenders decided that we could take uh, 66 Balmay sulfuric and blend it down to 18% rather than spend the extra money and buy it from a uh, commodity dealer without talking to us. Sulfuric acid generates a tremendous amount of heat. And it took our stainless steel blend tank and turned it black. The heat was high enough that the inch and a half scheduling plastic lines started to sag from the heat. The pump bound, and we were spraying hoses on the outside of the tank for about three hours till the heat, thinking, please, dear God, don't breach. Please, dear God, don't leak out of this tank. I don't know if that's funny, but I look back at it now and go, this is why we talk before we make something new. We had a customer that tried to do that in a plastic tank. They were trying to oh, dilute, dear God. and it was it was just it was just a, a a little mound of a blue plastic the next day. Oh yeah, it generates a lot of heat. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for sharing some of your experiences with blending. Of course, you know you can only get better by trying it. Uh, by by getting in the lab, figuring out what doesn't work. I think that's where most of my educations come from. All my failures, you know, eventually I got something right, but I learned a bunch by what didn't go right. And of course, I had somebody to guide me along the way, and that was you. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. That's kind of you. 
Nation, as I said, I owe a lot to Bruce Ketrick Sr. He has just been an amazing person in my life. And Bruce, thank you for all that you do and all that you continue to do. Nation, here's some events that you might want to mark on your calendar. The American Chemical Society is having their meeting and expo on August 21st through 25th. That's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. And this is where they get together to share ideas and advance scientific and technical knowledge. There are a lot of chemists in our industry, and several of those chemists are members of the American Chemical Society. So if this is something that you want to find out more information about, please go to our show notes page and we will have that for you. Also, you might be interested in the Water Quality Association as having their Aquatech trade show in Mexico. That's going to be September 6th through 8th in Mexico City. So if you want to find out more about that, please go to our show notes page. And then finally, the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies is having their 2022 Executive Management Conference October 30th through November 2nd in Savannah, Georgia. Folks, if you have not been to Savannah, Georgia, do yourself a favor, get to Savannah, Georgia. It is one of my favorite places in my home state. And this conference is going to be about the water sector and how do we put best practices when it comes to drinking water. So if that's the type of water treatment that you practice, you definitely want to check that out. As always, that information will be on our show notes page. Nation, we always want to think a little bit further than where we are now. And to help us with that is James McDonald for a brand new Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about the Oxidation Reduction Potential, or ORP. First, what is an ORP? What is it measuring? Why are you trying to control it? Next, what can impact ORP? Can pH, temperature, and or type of oxidant impact ORP readings? Can you pick an ORP number off a chart that will accurately maintain a target oxidant residual? Or does the ORP set point have to be determined for each system based upon tested oxidant residual levels? How frequently does the ORP probe need to be calibrated? Take this week to think about oxidation reduction potential or ORP. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. James, thank you for that and for all that you do in our industrial water treatment world. By the way, Industrial Water Week is going to be October 3rd through 7th, so make sure you mark your calendars for that. We'll have a brand new episode for you each and every day that week, and I'm hoping that you will hashtag all your pictures to social media so we can share in this celebration. Nation, I'll have a brand new episode for you next Friday. In the meantime, Take care of yourself, take care of your customers, take care of each other, and I will have a brand new episode for you next week of Scaling Up H2O.
Nation, almost two years ago, I started the Rising Tide Mastermind. We have over four groups and a waiting list for a new group. Folks, it is wildly successful. And what I mean by that is that we are able to process issues together and get new ideas about how we solve the issues that we all face day to day in ways that we might not have come up with on our own. Folks, look into the Rising Tide Mastermind to see if it is right for you by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. If what you see looks interesting, schedule an appointment with me and we will see if the group is right for you and you are right for the group.